everybody, and welcome back to the Big Ginger Outdoors podcast. My name is Trent. Once again, we have the 30-yard assassin, a.k.a. Johnny, my brother, here with us today. What's up, guys? Today we're going to be talking a little bit about some of our gear preferences for the upcoming archery season, some problems with pronghorn, and uh, of course, uh, some new news coming in from the legislative side with hunting and fishing. So to cap this all off, I just want to say everything that we say here gear-wise preference find that works for us and of course anything else that you guys use go ahead and go for it try it out and we are not sponsored by any means by any of these companies yet but if you would love to sponsor us <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh johnny what kind of uh what kind of bow are you using this season uh you know i was really wanting to get in with uh matthews but i just didn't pick one up in time so i'll be using my uh diamond edge 320 this year what are you using oh it's always a pretty solid beginner bow uh right now i've got a 2021 hoyt that'll be uh taking out deer and elk hunting with us so just gotta find the time to actually get uh sighted in and oh, get that new bow going uh so what kind of stuff are you planning on packing this year? What kind of pack are you using? What do you usually carry with you? Do you like to just go heavy, light? Uh, what kind of your preferences with that? You know, so I am a very light packer. I, I That's just how I was raised in the army and stuff. It's just a light pack. So when I go out, I it's, it's rare to find that I'll bring a tent or anything like that. It's usually just a hammock, sleeping bag, real light sleeping bag spare change a couple spare change of socks whatever kind of cold weather tops bottoms i need and food food and a way to heat it up water that's about it anything that i can fit in my pack is what's coming with me if i can't fit it in the pack if i have to bring an extra box not taking it so just the the absolute bare essentials so i'm a i'm a big big on uh if you're not out there sucking while you're hunting, like you, you shouldn't be out there hunting. Yeah, fair enough. You and I take uh, ultralight to kind of a different meaning. Uh, when I pack in, it's packing enough to start up a camp and then have almost a secondary setup that I use uh, with my survival kit in there, my knives. Uh, of course, always a sharpener. Never forget the sharpener, even if you have replacement blade knives. Absolutely. Foot powder is one of the biggest ones. You don't keep your feet dry. You don't change out your socks. You're going to have yeah. a bad time. I, I'm, I'm with it. I'm with it. And of course, always uh, something to purify water, some sort of food for the day. Uh, I'm a big fan of setting up camp a couple miles from where you're hunting and uh, packing on in. Normally, I use a lumbar pack, something, you know, a little bit lighter weight, just kind of carry the bare essentials and you know drag out or pack out what i need over the shoulders uh, but this year i'm actually trying an internal frame pack so see how that works that's what i'll be bringing internal frame pack see i'm kind of i'm kind of the opposite on that like i'm with setting up a camp like especially if we're having very inclement weather but that you know what i i'll take my ruck and i'll take everything i have drop it go in an area hunt that area for a day if nothing else pack up move to another spot like keep going 
and I mean, obviously it's, it's very situational dependent where I'm at, what's going on and stuff, but generally like, I'll, I like to keep moving. They, if you're going for elk, elk don't stop, man. They, they, they cover some miles and obviously sometimes it's best to, to, you know, wait in a spot cause they'll eventually be there, but sometimes you got to move. Yeah, definitely. And it, it seems like you and I both hunt in the way that we were trained in the army where, you know, you take your full load with you, you go into an op area, you drop your load and you go in light. And once you're done, pack back up and keep on moving. So yeah, that's pretty interesting seeing as we haven't been out together yet. Um, but I am excited I'm, I'm though. We, we're coming out. Yeah, we're going out together this year. A couple of months, actually, September, beginning of September, that's elk and our deer tags start then. So I'm heavily looking forward to it i think we're gonna be packing out an animal or two yeah definitely i'm i'm really looking forward to it especially getting to spend some quality time with you yeah absolutely um, now going in what kind of camera are you using Just me personally i i'm using the uh the the lighter first light gear what are you packing in yeah i'll be i'll be using first light as well i'm obviously we're not sponsored if they were to sponsor us that would be crazy i'd love it but i i rock everything first light their their gear is just top of the line and it's not crazy expensive like other brands are so definitely i'll be taking out first light and probably their specter camo that's that's probably going to look best for where we'll be hunting at so just uh i'll bring i'll be bringing layers because it, it gets a little chilly in september up in the mountains so not during the day though just at night yeah definitely well if we have another year like we had last year where we're you know looking at 100 degrees during the middle of the day in august i mean it it might be a little uh might be a little bit difficult for us yeah it'll it'll definitely be a tough hunt uh, elk especially i mean mule deer kind of similar but elk especially when it's hot like that they're gonna be way high up so that's just us moving more and more that they, they don't like to come down when it's real warm like that so they like it kind of cold yeah definitely I'm, I'm i'm hoping we uh we cool down a little bit otherwise it looks like we might have to uh push it out we'll until late hikes. september yeah i, I we'll think i'm going to be going in with the first light cypher um, it's kind of good. a good all around you know, good for the woods good for some of the plains areas Now, I haven't been up to the area that we're hunting this year so I'm pretty much reliant on uh, you know overhead imaging on Google and, and some of the maps yeah. from uh, Onyx but uh, no for this one you'll, you'll be wanting to use some Spectre Fusion in this or even some OD Cyphers, Cyphers great it's phenomenal don't get me wrong, but for where we'll be at, it's going to be really green, really thick. So you'll want some Spectre or Fusion. Yeah, definitely, definitely something to look into. Yeah, it, I'm, you know, rifle hunting is, is easy. You just, you throw on your orange, you grab your rifle and that's about it. But bow and you have to get so close to them that they can literally smell you. And you're right there. You, you really just... The, the small things like sound, camouflage, scent is really going to be your key deciding factors and if you're going to take something home or not. So, oh, Definitely. Now, uh, I remember you telling me here last year about uh, some issues you were having on your pronghorn hunt. Uh, I, I remember specifically advising you on some broadheads. 
want to elaborate for our listeners today on uh, your pronghorn problems? The the pronghorn problems, the pronghorn saga. Well, you know, as as you know, last year was my is either last year or the year before is my very first year out hunting. Pretty sure it was last year, and I I said, you know what, I'm gonna do everything. I went elk, I went pronghorn, I went turkey, deer. I, the only thing I didn't hunt was bear. So I, I hunted everything last year. And so I I decided to do the hardest hunting there is, in my opinion, which is pronghorn bow. So a little side note, pronghorn, they can detect movement up to it's three to five miles away. They can detect movement. They have 360 degree vision and they're the fastest ground mammal in North America. So that right there is what is, is going to give you some problems because archery, as you know, your, your max is 60 yards. Like you're, if you're, it's almost a little too far to hit a 60 yard shot and pronghorn are a little smaller than deer. So they're not crazy smaller, but they're just a little bit smaller. So it's, that makes it even more difficult and they, they smell really well. And so I, I went out and just walked through the plains for miles and weeks and it it was fun it was really fun i tried a whole bunch of different strategies i i went out and i tried to spot and stalk pronghorn can see you they can smell you they they're just insane i tried to uh there's a method that some some people will use is they'll get a, a pronghorn decoy they'll sit behind the decoy They'll have their uh, arrow already knocked and they'll they'll move up slowly to the pronghorn. Sometimes the pronghorn bite. They're like, okay, it's another pronghorn. Like if they're in the rut, they're like, okay, bet. Like it's it's mating time. They'll come to you or they'll they'll let you go to them, draw back, shoot. Tried that. I tried um I tried setting up a blind and waiting near a water source. I would tell you, based off my personal experience. Waiting next to a water source is absolutely the best method you're gonna ever have. I crawled hundreds of yards through cactus and you, you'd ask Michaela, I'd come home just covered in cactus needles and stuff, but you know, you got that adrenaline, you got that total vision. I'm about to, I'm about to get a pronghorn with a bow. Like this is, you, you know, you don't, you don't think about it till you're on the drive home. Like I just got stumped, just, just got absolutely stumped. but. It, it went on for a little bit, a couple weeks, you know, and I finally got the hang of it. Like I'm gonna set up a blind and let me tell you, I, I was blessed. I didn't get anything, but I was in pronghorn the whole season. There was not a day I went out where I didn't get within 60 yards of a pronghorn. Problem is, is they're pronghorn, they see you, they're gone. And so eventually uh, the, the thing that really turned it around for me is I, I'm just driving around the plains and I stop in this guy's property because you know the Onyx app, it, it tells you who owns the property and stuff like that. I stopped in this guy's property and this is a funny story, right? I, I swear none of you will believe this story, I, but it happened. I promise you it happened. Stopped in this guy's property, pull up, I get out, I'm all camoed up because there's just a whole, probably a hundred pound around this guy's property, right? I stop in and I'm like, hey, I, I noticed you have a lot of pronghorn in your property and you have a lot of property. Like, are you okay if I hunt on your property? And he's like, oh yeah, what are you, uh, 
what are you uh, hunting with? And I was like, uh, just just a bow. And he's like, that's cool. Yeah, that, I'm, I'm totally fine with that. And I was like, oh, awesome. Well, do you want any meat or anything? Like, do you want anything from me? Like, I can pay you or I'll, uh, like, if you need something, I'll, I'll help you out with it or whatever. And he's like, no, no, man, you're good. Like, I've helped a lot of people get their first pronghorns. And I was like, oh, that's that's awesome, man. I'm hoping to get my first one here. And he's like, yeah, you, you try tying the... Uh, tying a white t-shirt to the fence and sometimes they'll come to that or get a decoy or whatever crawl in your belly that's the best way I was like okay so that's where I got the crawling thing from and I did get pretty close through the crawling so it's not completely crazy but then this guy is he's he's been talking to me for about five ten minutes and you know I'm he just let me hunt on his property he gave me permission so of course I'm gonna be cool about it and just talk to him for a while you know he starts talking about some weird stuff right at first he gets me he's like yeah they're poachers man they're out here using their 22s and just poaching all the pronghorn and elk there used to be a herd of elk out here and i was like elk in the plains that's weird turns out i'm wrong there there actually are elk in the plains oh yeah 110 percent. yeah there's, there's elk in the plains so don't don't quote me on that i i was i didn't know at the time um, and I was like, yeah, wow, that's that's crazy. I never knew that. And he's like, yeah. And, and then they started killing these bears. So there's there's like these little mini bears. They sit in the tree and they have sharp teeth. And they started poaching those two. And and I'm like, bears in the tree. And he's like, yeah, they're like grizzly bears, but they're they're miniature and they sit in trees. And I'm like, they're in the trees. There's there's not a lot of trees out. We're in the plains, man. There's there's no trees out here. But yeah, I was like, wow, that's crazy. And he's like, I can't remember what they're called, but I tell you later, man. And I was like, oh okay. He's like, and then, and then, yeah, we had a rat problem here, and I just couldn't pick them off. You know, we we just couldn't kill them. And, and then we started having a snake problem, and there there was these snakes coming out. They had three sets of teeth, sharp teeth, and they're extremely poisonous. They started killing all the rats out here, and then. We were trying to stay away from them because he, he spit on one of my uncles and he just died. And I was like, oh, wow, that's crazy. <laughs> and he's Got like, a full imaginary ecosystem going on there. No, no, no. It, it only it, it gets better. Trust me. And and so I'm like, wow, that's crazy, man. You know, at this point, I'm starting to back up, trying to get my car because I see the pronghorn like moving. And I'm like, oh, man, come on. I'm, like, I'm trying, to, trying to hunt here. And uh, he starts talking. He's like, yeah. And then it's it's things are kind of weird around here. The other day, we it was about five six months ago. Uh, there's you know there's cows over there. The guy took his cows away because because uh, there's there's a griffin that lives around here. And I just saw it swoop in and pick up the cow, rip it in half, and drop its body in 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 the property. And I was like, yo, that's crazy, man. Like. I, that's wild. I, I wish I could have seen that. You know, I'm just like, what is this guy on about? And I'll get back to the velociraptor, not the velociraptor, the um, griffin thing later, because it, it, it circles around to it, right? So from there, he, you know, he's continuing to talk and he's like, yeah, we used to go out hunting a lot and I don't really hunt anymore because, you know, my, my dad can't hunt and they're kind of bigger guys, you know. He's like, my dad can't really hunt anymore, and but we'd go out and do all this stuff. But one day, nobody ever believes me, but I tell you what, the reason why I don't go out is because I saw a Velociraptor. And I was like, no, stop, <laughs> stop it. He said, he said, I'm not, I'm, I literally cannot make this up. 
I called mom right after this happened and I told her every single word this man said. And he and he goes, yeah, I was I was out there hunting. My dad, he was, he was sticking at the camp and and I just I saw a wormhole open up right next to me. And I saw this velociraptor. You know, you know how velociraptors have the claws and when they stand, their claws dig deep into the mud. And I was like, yeah, I know exactly what that looks like. And he's like, I saw it come out and looked at me and I looked at it and I froze. And then it looked at me and it, it, it knew that I had seen it and it ran away. And I was like, that's crazy. Where did it go though? And he's like, I don't know. And to this day, I went back and I showed my dad the tracks, but he did, he just, he doesn't believe me. He said it was something else. And I'm like, that's crazy, man. The Velociraptor and wormholes. And he's like, dude, it's, it's getting weird out here. You know, is people are starting to sight UFOs and, and, and wormholes. And I'm like, wow, that's crazy. And at this point I'd already gotten into my car and I'm like slowly backing up and he's following my car as he's talking to me. And I'm like, wow, dude, that's crazy. I, I, I can't believe it. So finally I like back all the way out and his dog starts following my car now too. And I'm like, dude, come on, just, just let me go. Like I'm, it's, it's already dark out. I have to go home now anyways. So, cause the, this guy's property is 15 minutes from my house. So it's really close. I go out for the day, come back home and that's it. And so flash forward, walking through this guy's property and and you know, uh, there's tons of coyotes out here, like tons of coyotes. I had three run up on me in different times. One of the days I had multiple run up on me and, and uh, at my blind, but you know, I'm walking through this guy's property and <laughs> I'm looking around and just looking at for sign and trails and stuff. And I, I see uh, a cattle, like a cow's bones. And I'm like, is this man telling the truth or? <laughs> I see the bones of a cow just split in half. Part of its head is on the left side and its, its rear is on a different spot. And I'm like, maybe this man is telling the truth because I found out there is in fact elk out here. And, and I'm like, now I'm in this little existential crisis. Like, did he really, is there really a griffin out here? Like, is, is that real? Because, you know, the elk thing, I didn't know that was real. That was real. And the, the bear thing, was a badger, right? So what else What else did he see that's actually something, you know what I mean? So I'm just over here just, just, okay. Maybe this man wasn't telling the lie. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, I just continue and for the rest of the month, I'm just chasing pronghorn. And I ended up, the time I actually ended up um, getting one, I didn't really get them. You know their pronghorns are so fast but i i uh was facing the opposite direction in my blind and i hear the, just the weirdest noise behind me i was like what the heck is that because i'm looking with my binoculars out at some other pronghorn and i hear this weird noise behind me so i grab my bow and i start turning around slowly and there's just at least 10 pronghorn within 10 yards of me and i've just I don't know what to do. I'm just like, holy cow, if I make any noise, they're going to go. So I finally slowly turn. I face them. They see me, they back up to about 20 and I'm like, oh. so I draw my bow back. I fixate on one nice set of horns and I, I try to shoot and I'm like, my blind's in the way. 
So I open up my hand, you know, the, the handle of my bow is in my thumb and that little crook in your thumb. And I use my fingers to drop the blind down. They see that they move back to about 30. I'm like, okay, this is, this is not good. So I fixate on, on that, that big guy again, let an arrow loose. I, I see the arrow fly. I, I didn't see if it hit him or not. I just, it, the arrow goes and they run away, right? So I sit there, my hands are just shaking. I'm, I'm like, whew, you know, that adrenaline. And I give it about 10, 15, 20 minutes. I, I step out of my blind, I'm looking for him, I don't see him. I look around, I don't see my arrow. I don't see a blood, blood uh, spots either. And so I crest this hill and I see the, just the big herd of them. So I'm just staring at him. I'm looking like, is, is one of them have my arrow in it? Like, is one of them hurt? Well, it, none of them were. They see me, they bolt. None of them are lagging behind. None of them are even limping, nothing. They just bolt. So I let him go. I wait about 30 minutes. I crest up the hill a little bit more and I look over and uh, I see the same herd again. None of them are limping nothing like that they see me and miles away they're gone so I, I you know the the one that got away trouble in pronghorn town but you know pronghorn season starts again soon so we'll, we'll see if i can finish the deal this time oh yeah that's the best part about getting to do all this you learn from your mistakes and you just get out and you do it again and you'll hopefully have some success the next time but uh I don't know. I think you almost made me need to uh, hit that landowner up and see what kind of peyote he had growing on that property out there. Louise, uh, man. <laughs> your next hunt might be a spirit quest. In my next hunt, I might find more than just the animals I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> maybe yeah, you'll that, see that, that velociraptor. I, you know, maybe I need a velociraptor in my life at this point. Holy cow. He was content. He was happy, man. But no, like you're saying, it, it, I, I went from knowing absolutely nothing about pronghorn to I, I consider myself quite uh, informed on the subject now. I, I, have, I have the strategies down. I understand pronghorn very well. So, I mean, all that time out there was not just for nothing. So that experience I got, you can't buy. You can't, you can't just get that experience unless you go out there and do it, you know. So it was, it was solid. It was really good. And I'm going to use that this year and, you know, spread that to John, spread that to you, whoever will listen, you know, I'll give that information to. Just like how grandpa gave me all of his info on elk. That's what I plan to do with, with pronghorn, you know. So it, it wasn't for nothing. Absolutely not. And just being out there, like we said previously, just being out there is, is kind of the reason we're there, you know, just to be there. Oh, yeah. There's a reason why it's called going out hunting and not going out killing. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and now uh now my uh no shit there I was story seems kind of pale in comparison. I feel like we almost <laughs> need to get that landowner out to uh to tell that story and have him have him on the show, but yeah. uh, I'm gonna knock now, on his uh, door and make him a guest appearance. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no shit there I was. It was uh probably my second or my third hunting trip and I was out with my dad and one of our good family friends on uh, on his dad's property. And we had gone through and been walking around the property for a while. And actually, I stumbled up on my uh, on my first shed. It 
was a really, really nice elk shed. And I saw it before anybody else scooped it up and stuck it to my pack and kept on walking and finally saw a doe. A white, uh, not a white tail, a, a mule deer doe. Just kind of hanging out by herself. And got all excited and they didn't even take their bows with them. It was uh, the whole purpose of the trip was try to, to try to get me my first deer. We uh, we'd started kind of crouching along and it was sitting on the opposite side of this dry dry riverbed, maybe about five feet deep or so, and it just cut straight through the middle of the property. And as as we're uh, going along the riverbed, we can hear the deer up towards the top walking around, and scratching through the sage. And I remember at the time, you know, as my 13 years old, my heart was pounding, my hands were getting sweaty, and I was, uh, I was just really excited, thinking, okay, what am I going to do? Remember, you know, just kind of take a breath, draw back and shoot. And we got behind this little stand of rocks and some sage that was growing out of the river and crouched behind it. And uh, my dad's buddy, Ryan, had gone up to the top to kind of push it towards that direction. And as he's cresting the hill, we just hear a bolt. And we're not quite sure what's going on, so we wait around for a couple of minutes and you know, don't hear anything. So we all kind of get on and get ready to move because there's only so much property to hunt. And we've got to keep on moving. And we get up out, out of that dry riverbed, and no shit, I see that doe sprinting as fast as it can towards the wood line. I think, man, we couldn't have spooked it that bad because it was it was maybe a half mile away at this point. And there is the biggest black bear I have ever seen in my life, just oh, hauling ass after it. <laughs> <laughs> that put an end to the hunt real quick because we didn't know how many more were out there. So it was back in the truck and, and let's go. You know, Jeez. if you ask any of them too, that's the same trip we'd stopped at Burger King at about four in the morning on the way up there. To, uh, to get some breakfast and everything and I thought okay I'm 13 I'm gonna be a man soon I'm gonna get some coffee I got black coffee just like the rest of them and then I had six inches of coffee ground sitting in the bottom of my cup mm -hmm. so it was a, it was a pretty great trip overall <laughs> you love this love to see it that 13 taking on the world <laughs> love it you absolutely gotta love it Oh, mine yeah. mine is uh no shit there i was it's not a hunting story it involves animals though so i was doing some training while we we're in germany crazy right training the army and we set up one of our positions we're, we work in a small team so we set up one of our positions and we uh we're looking for a good spot, you know, cause we have to be hidden reconnaissance, you know, that mambo jumbo. And we find a boar's nest. It's uh, the perfect cover. And you know, we're in the military that we're not out here to hunt. We're, we're here to engage and destroy the enemy. And you know, it's just a training mission, but all the train how you fight stuff. And so we're like, we're gonna set up our, um, our MFP right here in this boar's nest and we'll do a hide and shoot in here and and so we just we it's perfect cover you, you can't see in it you can't see us inside of it and you know the UAVs all the drones all that stuff can't see us in there perfect spot well 
when you camp inside someone else's house and they come back, they generally don't like that you are in their house. This case, in Germany, there's a huge, huge population of wild boar. And these wild boar were not having it. They were so angry that we were just sleeping in their home. You know, wild boar, destructive, and kind of feisty. And so, you know, I, I was not on guard shift. I was sleeping, you know, we're tired from all the movement, whatever. And, sleeping in this this nest you know we got all the my little team together we're sleeping one guy's awake and he comes up to me and i always i used to carry this this big old buck knife on me everywhere i went when i was out in the woods you know in case i need to cut something stab something whatever you know and he comes up to me he's like, wake up johnny wake up and i was like what you know i'm exhausted he goes the boar the boars are here there's boars all around us and i was like Okay. It's like your He's Vietnam like, moment. No, 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 no. There, there's boars everywhere. I need you to get up. They, they might try and come in here and get us. And I was like, do you want my knife? And, you know, I slept with my knife. And, but so I handed him my knife and I was, I just covered my sleeping bag over my head. I was like, I, here's, here's my knife. He's like, no, I need you to get up so you can help us defend against the boars. And I was like, I was like uh, no. And I just went back to sleep and, and I woke up to him yelling and swinging his stick at these boars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he defended and, us real well. <laughs> didn't you guys have blanks on you or anything? In uh, this one, we did, but they didn't want to shoot because you know, that's how what you... What alerted your position, yeah. Yeah, so they, they tried to be as quiet as they could, but you know, they're out there whacking bushes and swinging at boars <laughs> and, and that's that that situation has happened to us so many times like boars are not just in certain spots it's like it's like texas the, the boar is just everywhere there you go anywhere outside of the city and you're gonna come across boar it's it's not it's it's gonna happen so it was pretty silly. I was just so tired. I said, let the boars eat me then. I'm, I'm going to sleep. <laughs> Would have been some Silence of the lamb stuff, you know, some Hannibal Lecter. Boars coming and eating your, le eating your legs off of you. <laughs> I would have I would have accepted it. I was so tired. <laughs> turned you into Lieutenant Dan real quick. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you ask I any person believe. who was in the military who was out in the field, You've got all kinds of funny wildlife stories coming from yeah. training areas. You know, we had turkeys and deer who would run across our live fires all the time. And, <laughs> you know, leave the wildlife alone. But uh, we'll we'll get into that one a little bit later. Oh, that, that'll definitely have to be a subject for the next time. Don't mess with the wildlife. <laughs> I have some stories for that. Somebody caught a whole baby deer one time. But oh. story for another day. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if we can get some other vets on and do uh, do some stories from the field when it comes to wildlife. I think that'd be pretty entertaining. That would be a good one. Yeah. So I hear you were talking about the uh, Pittman-Robertson Act. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, the Pittman-Robertson Act is a pretty influential 
bill that was introduced about 85 years ago that directly impacts conservation and hunting and fishing at the state level. What it does is it adds an excise tax on any outdoor hunting gear, fishing gear, hiking equipment, tents, sleeping bags, hunting and fishing licenses. And all that money gets brought up to the federal government and then matched and sent back out to the local wildlife agencies in the states under certain conditions that they have to meet in order to you know, keep public lands open, improve access, improve habitat, and animal population. Well, here pretty recently, uh, House Republicans have created a bill in an attempt to repeal the Pittman-Robertson Act. And anybody who knows me, I have no dog in this political fight. I vote for what matters to me, you know, public access, clean air, clean land, conservation, hunting, conservation. Um, but this could be, this could be detrimental. It could be a very, very, very bad thing for the outdoor industry and outdoor recreation as a whole, because if we lose those funds, it could be catastrophic. Last year alone, 1.5 billion dollars was sent out in Pittman Robertson to the uh, different wildlife agencies. So a call to action to my listeners here in the United States, call your local representatives, write letters, do whatever you need to do, send emails, call their offices, but let them know that it is a terrible idea and no respectable sportsman or outdoorsman is going to support that yeah that's that's pretty uh pretty wild i i wonder what their reasoning for that would be i mean and anytime you you add money and and someone in a suit it's never a good uh never a good thing but i i just i i wonder what their reasoning behind it is why they'd want to repeal something like that especially for that side of the the bird that claims to be all for that kind of thing you know it's kind of well, weird it's it's midterm season everybody's trying to make sure they get reelected, and unfortunately what they're calling it is a direct attack on the second amendment saying that it's unconstitutional to add an extra tax to firearms which they're only looking at firearms specifically even though it comes from a massive source um, which is absolutely asinine um because 99% of people who buy firearms also buy outdoors equipment, ammo, and, and everything else that goes along with it. So it it seems to me to be an attempt to try to get reelected and kind of pull up the heartstrings of you know Second Amendment supporters, which is not the right way to go about. It. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's an interesting take on that. I, you know, I, I'm curious to see what would happen, um, what you think would happen if that law were to go into effect, like maybe park access would, the price to go into the park would probably go up, hunting tags, that kind of stuff would probably go up, you know, I mean, you, you, you add more taxes to things and generally those things tend to go up and I'm, I'm curious what, what you think, uh, 
would uh, happen if that bill were to go through. Well, when you look at it from a logistical standing, without those funds, which are crucial to a lot of the state wildlife agencies, like uh, Colorado Parks and Wildlife, for example, um, here pretty recently, a lot of people lost their jobs. Uh, departments were downsized. Um, it, it would lead to a lot more people losing their jobs. They don't have the kind of funding available right now to you know, support a full staff, which you know, leads to wait times and um, you know generally poor service when it comes to the licensing and permit side of things. Um, I would imagine, like you said, uh, entrance fees, permits, and licenses would all increase in order to try to make up for some of that lost revenue. And that doesn't just affect the people in the states. The people who are going to be paying that tax the most are going to be out-of-state hunters. We already charge you know, quadruple Huge what we amounts. do for, uh, for say, a whole elk for a tag. tag you'd get 40 50 bucks for Exactly, and that's where a lot of their money comes from, and they're just going to have to keep adding on to it and adding on to it, closing down different state parks or limiting access to them, uh, limited staff and resources at state parks. So it, in general, not only would it be bad on the hunters and the employees, it'd be bad on the state. I mean, with a lot of the conservation projects that are going on, think of the farm. Yeah. That's, I mean, it affects a lot of people here, according to stacker.com. It says that uh, in 2020, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service stated that 3 million, with a 3 million year record, so 3 million registered hunters in 2020. That's, I mean, when you're talking about millions, like money and stuff, it means nothing to politicians and stuff and I mean three million people probably doesn't mean anything to them but like that's a pretty big community three million people and the numbers only going up like more and more people every year hunting so it's it's not like it's a dying sport or anything like they're saying they're seeing record numbers of people so it it's that's that's very interesting it's a very interesting thing of I, I'm really hoping and praying that all these conservation groups really take a stand because that's just, it makes no sense on how that's going to help anybody. You know, you, you want to attack the Second Amendment, attack the Second Amendment. I'm not supporting, I don't support that. But if you want to attack the Second Amendment, attack the Second Amendment. Don't attack hunters. Don't attack fishermen because ultimately that affects fishermen, hunters, people who just go camping, people who go hiking. It affects everybody because that money pours into the state areas, state wildlife areas, the parks and recreations and all that. Like it, it pulls into all those places. So it's it's not just people who use guns. It's people who fish, people who hike, people who go out there and camp. You know, it affects everybody. So it's, it's pretty interesting. And, you know, I'll even add in another element to this call for action that I'm issuing to. You email your representatives and, and tell them your opposition to this new bill that is being introduced. Send me on either Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, 
Agmian something, but show me the receipt email that's sent back from their office. And I will enter all of you into a drawing for either a free hat or a t-shirt with the Big Ginger Outdoors logo. A special Ooh. one just for this challenge. The custom made tees, I like it. One special design that won't be issued out for anything else. I will hand draw it and it'll just be on that one piece of merch. Like I said, send it to me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, email, on my website, any of that. And let's try to make a big positive change in the conservation. Now, yeah, good cause, good cause. Oh, 110%. Now, to round out this episode, like we've done with the past couple, I thought I would read a quote from Henry David Thoreau. I love nature partly because she is not man, but a retreat from her. None of his institutions control or pervade her. There are a different kind of right prevails. In her midst, I can be glad with an entire gladness. If this world were all man, I could not stretch myself. I should lose all hope. He is constrained. She is freedom to me. He makes me wish for another world. She makes me content with this. This is from his journals and culminated in the book Wildness is the Preservation. Now, rounding everything out and closing everything off, do you have any final thoughts there, Johnny? Uh, you know, I besides your quote, I really liked your quote. Um, all I gotta say is really, if if you care about uh, any of this stuff, make sure you're you're getting out there and you're making your voice heard because your voice truly does matter. And if if not, well. Now, there's never a better time than now to, to get after it and to get into it. Hunting, fishing, you know, I get after it. 100% agree with you on that one. If there's something you want to do, something you want to try, go for it. And even if you're not at that point yet where you feel like you're ready to, make sure to support conservation, the outdoors, the environment, and just push forward and aim to be a better person. Support your support your fellow hunter and angler and recreationalist, even if you're not about it. Support them. Percent agree. Well, thank you everybody for coming down and listening to us today, and hear about the thirty yard assassin's pronghorn problems and a velociraptor. <laughs> Make sure you uh, follow me on Twitter at Outdoors Ginger, on Facebook and Instagram at Big Ginger Outdoors. We'll see you all next time. Good luck.